0: Why and How Studios presents You Must Take the A Train Vital
2: Snob with Dave Whitaker. Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network of Podcasts. Imagine me and you. I do. Music, culture, history technology. As the
1: Secretary General of the United Nations, who represent almost all of the human inhabitants of the planet Earth, I send greetings on behalf of the people of our
2: planet. And rock and roll.
0: Now, let's drop the needle and start the show. I'm Dave Whitaker, and this is Vinyl Snob.
1: The first rule of happiness is to enjoy the job you're working at. And that's what I've always wanted to do. That's why I do what I do now.
0: That's Paul Rigby, a journalist who reviews hi-fi and music for major publications worldwide. On this program, he has some tips if you're looking to buy an entry-level turntable.
1: Buying an entry-level turntable, there is no wrong way. Because when you buy a turntable, it's the best for you. We are all different, we all have different ears, we all have different
0: requirements. There is a turntable for everyone. And if you have a hi-fi system but want to take it to the next level, we'll talk about upgrades and ways you can get the most out of your records. That's coming up on this episode. Seeing that we've been asked many times, I want to get in or back into vinyl and I need to purchase a turntable. Where do I start? we decided to take a look at entry-level turntables in the $500 range. Our guest, Paul Rigby. He's a writer and reviewer based in the UK, and we caught up with him at the Festival of Sound in London. He spoke with us from his hotel. Paul, uh, a little bit of background just to start with. You write for several websites, as well as magazines, including the publication Long Live Vinyl. Uh, And you host your own website, The Audiophile Man. How did you manage to turn what is a hobby to most people uh, into a profession? And how long have you been doing this?
1: Uh, the short answer is 30 years. The, the long answer uh, brings in elements of philosophy. The first rule of happiness is to enjoy the job you're working at. You spend maybe 40% of your entire existence on this planet working. So it's essential that you enjoy your job. And that's what I've always wanted to do, that's why I do what I do now. When I left university, right at the end of university, you're probably familiar with this, you, there, there are a number of companies who will sort of hoover up several graduates t- to place within the lower rungs of their establishment, so you get the big companies uh, uh, sort of arriving at university, there's like a fair, and you... And uh, I, I attended one of these, this was right at the very end. and. Um, the more, the, the more I looked, the, the more horror-stricken I was. I saw um, uh, I saw a future of, 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 of lots of money, which was you know, supposedly great, big houses, wonderful, uh, trophy wives. But then I saw heart attacks, strokes, and, and so on. And uh, I backed out of the door. Then I decided I wanted to be uh, a writer. I'd always loved books. That was my core. That's why I went into journalism, and from there... I, I learnt my trade, I, wrote, uh, I started the aviation industry, uh, I was writing for the computer games industry and series computers, I became a music journalist, I went from there to antiques, ladies lifestyle, home automation and so on and I ended up in hi-fi and I've been here for many years, I'm still a music journalist, uh, I still write for a business magazine. These are all print magazines. I've, I've done national newspapers as well, all over the world. It's all down to the fact that I'm doing what I wanted to do. This was, a, this was a decision made in my very early 20s, and 30 years later, I'm still here. I'd always loved music. I was the sort of kid who, at school with my friends at the age of, say, 12, 13, in, in lunch hours at school, we would wander down into town and stir at reel-to-reel tape recorders and cassette tape players and turntables and so on. So I've always loved music. I didn't dream in a million years that, that A, I would be a journalist, and B, I'd start writing for these very magazines.
0: Let's address a couple of issues. I've had comments from some of our listeners about purchasing a turntable. There's a lot of confusion and a lot of people, I I don't know what to buy. Most of the comments range from people who have had several boxes of records you know, in the closets from their pre-CD days. They never got rid of the records. They got rid of the turntable, but they still have the records. I have people who are just starting to buy. A lot of younger people, a lot of college people that I run into in the record stores are just starting their vinyl collection. And then we also have people who've been collecting for years and want to upgrade their turntables. Let's address the first two comments. What is available out there, say in the uh, 500 to $800 range?
1: In that price range... It's a little bit different in the US than the UK. And the difference is Riga. Riga over here is a major player. Riga has a knack of producing turntables of high quality with a reasonable price. They're one of the big two. The other big one is Project, or Project, however you want to pronounce it. So Riga and Project are the big two companies over here. Uh, There are lots of other companies out there. I think you've got Musical, and there's a few others. A lot of them go to Project to almost, as it were, buy a bag of bits and put them together, put their brand labels, stick that on the side, and bang. You've got, well, Music Hall, that's what they do. But it really comes down to either Riga or Project. Now, in the USA, there's an issue, and that's Riga's shipping costs. They give all their shipping costs to you, the customer, which really removes Riga from the entry level, I would say. It makes Project far more interesting as a value brand. I mean I have several of these turntables on my on my website, the com. For example, around the five hundred dollars, there's the debut 3S audio file. That's what it's actually called. And and as you might guess, this is uh, aimed at sound quality. And it's a simple tent table. It comes with a with a with an arm attached, it comes with a cartridge and the stylus. It's all there, all ready to go. But there's no fancy toys. And when I say toys I mean, there's no built-in phono amp. There's no built-in USB port. There's good reason for this, and I'll come to that in a second. Uh, there's also uh, another brand sub-brand they do called the Essential range, Essential Two, which is even lower than $500, around four, I would say, um, and five, six-ish. Um, then there's there's a certain tables called the RPM One and the RPM Three. These are all turntables aimed at sound quality. Now buying an entry level turntable, there is no wrong way. It doesn't matter what you buy, you are never ever wrong because when you buy a turntable it's the best for you. We are all different, we all have different ears, we all have different requirements. There is no right or wrong way. There is a turntable for everyone. So, uh, Thorin's a classic brand name. Used to have its own factory, went bankrupt, began again. They are now touting quite a few turntables out there. They also do turntables with a semi automatic action or a fully automatic action. What I mean by this is you don't even have to touch the arm. You just press a button, the arm will lift up, it'll go on the first groove. When it finishes, it'll lift up, go back and rest on its arm support, switch itself off, over and done. Now, there are people out there who are technophobes, um, and turntables with a, a semi-automatic or, or an automatic uh, action are ideal for people like that. Thorans have a, have a, have a couple, and they are these like Franken tables, I think people call them. Well, they'll select a bag of bits and put them together like a jigsaw, <laughs> put their own sprinkle their own magic dust over them, and you've got a Thoran sound. Thorans, incidentally, with these turntables, have a very bassy almost direct drive feel to them. They, they are not the best in terms of sound quality. There are issues, but, but they ain't bad. But you see what I'm saying? There is no single path. There is no silver bullet because everybody is different. But if you just want sound quality and you want it in that range and sound is the priority and you're based where you're based, then I would stick with project. If anybody's listening to this podcast and they're based in Europe or the UK, I would figure in Riga as a strong competitor because the price is right over here.
0: The, the Riga turntables are also incredibly beautiful. They're very stylish. Absolutely. You know, you touched on, on something. There was a time when virtually every turntable was either semi-automatic or full automatic. Many, many of the turntables being released in the last few years are full manual. What is the main reason for that? It's a sound quality decision. Uh, simple as that. Again,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll broaden this out. The more distance... You put between individual hi-fi bits, the better. A manual turntable removes the automatic gearing and engineering inside. The turntables I mentioned, the ones which are sound quality centric, do not have these things. They do not have Bluetooth, USB, no semi-automatic, no built-in phono amps, none of that. Uh, Riga's the same. There are lifestyle exceptions. There's a Riga Planner 1+. Plus which it does, uh, but that doesn't sound as good. In fact, I hate, hate it to bits, but that's another story. <laughs> um, the problem is when you bundle uh, Hi-Fi bits and pieces and you you force them in the same chassis, and it can be all-in-one entertainment systems, it can be a DAC with a headphone amp, it can be an amplifier uh, with, with a DAC included and, and Google Chromecast and all that gear, you know, And it's a a trend at the moment. You find these all-in-one systems. Uh, People can't resist it. There's an issue there, and it's noise. This noise is electrical noise. It comes from the main supply. It comes from mobile signals in the air. It comes from electrical equipment that's inside the chassis, so capacitors, resistors, power supplies, uh, switch mode power supplies. that You plug the whole thing in the wall. Cheap and nasty, very noisy. All of these things, they all produce noise. Now, this is lethal to hi-fi. And it's the most important thing that magazines, my colleagues, don't talk about. And it's a crime. And they are doing customers and readers no favours. What they should be doing is banging on about it, because that's what I do in my site. I bore people to death about it, because it's so important. Basically, if you have... All this automatic gearing or USB ports or whatever, The phono amp is the worst. You will basically have electronic noise infecting the entire chassis. It'll travel in terms of vibration. It'll travel down little cables. It'll travel across, across circuit boards. And what it does, it masks sound quality. The fine details will be masked. So, so, for example, imagine the guy hitting a cymbal. And then you get this shimmering reverb echo effect. And it can go on. And depending on the recording, it can go on and on. Now, noise will affect that, particularly reverb. So it'll either shorten the reverb, make the reverb sound thinner. Maybe without the noise, the, the, the reverb would, would spread right across your soundstage, which, which is the area that your speakers sort of uh, present. With the noise included, that's constricted. Drums sound uh, less organic. They sound, they sound a bit more synthetic. Guitars without the noise, you might even hear the attack of the thumb hitting that first string. With the noise gone, subtleties—that's the problem. Subtleties, but but this is the soul of music. So noise is a killer. So if you if you hear a noisy piece of hi-fi, yeah, you can hear the music, and yeah, it sounds fine, and you might actually enjoy it. But if you take away all that noise, the air and the space. The fragility, the delicacy, the vocal nuances, the slight, you know, that slight effort that somebody's making in their voice when they're emphasizing a word. All these tiny things, and there's millions of them. You add them all up, and you're losing something. That's why you have manual turntables, because the manufacturers, the industry, they recognize that noise is a problem.
0: Absolutely, and you make a wonderful point, which a lot of people don't realize the more things you put into that box, whether it's electronics in the form of a preamplifier or a USB or Bluetooth connection or mechanical gears to lift the arm and move it around, each of those things adds a little bit of noise. And it's not until you start removing them. Like you said, you don't necessarily perceive the noise until you remove it and go, oh my. I I liken it to looking out your window on a beautiful day and isn't it nice? And then you clean the window and suddenly... The sunshine, everything is just a little bit brighter, looks a little bit sharper.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you can still see the sun. Yes. as you can still hear the music. You're quite correct. That's a great metaphor. It's all those tiny details which just enhance the music and, you know, allow that jaw to drop and think, wow, that's a performance. Whereas before, you were thinking, yeah, great song. Yeah. I mean, I, again, on my site I talk about how to reduce noise because it's an ongoing fight. It's the same with, with getting rid of noise from not just your turntable, but your entire hi-fi. It's the number one problem. I, and I will freely criticise the media on this, and I am one of them. We are, we are far too interested in talking about boxes. They talk about boxes incessantly. There's never enough information about removing noise from the hi-fi. Most people, when they buy a hi-fi, if they just open up their box, they put it on a a table or something, they plug it in, that hi-fi, you will only ever be listening to around 65% of its potential. That's all you're hearing. You're losing 35% every single time you listen to a record. That's why it's important, because when when you lower noise... What you're doing, the the music's there. The music's always been there. It hasn't gone. All you're doing is revealing it. As you said about cleaning the window, you're just revealing what's already there.
0: When purchasing a turntable at the entry level, will it come with a cartridge or is that something we need to look at?
1: I would see most of the turntables, in fact, all of them, including a cartridge. One of the most popular is uh, Autofon. So they're very sort of active in this sector. Uh, Riga, if you do ever go for Riga, um, they, they produce their own. Uh, but even some of those are based on Audio-Technica designs, especially the cheap carbon, I think it is. Although Riga do their own as well. Audio-Technica, you will find a lot on some other brands. Audio-Technica is probably the biggest, most powerful cartridge maker in the world, I would say, in terms of sheer numbers and sheer weight of marketing. But, but generally speaking, yeah, you'll always find one. So don't worry. It's only when you get to... I would say, uh, you know, near a sort of, uh, you know, the the $1,000 plus that you start having to think about
0: cartridges. So, we've made our decision, we've purchased our turntable, and we got it home. Now, what do we plug it into to hear this great sound? Receivers
1: are are okay, but as a last resort. When you ever uh, see a press release of a new receiver, most of the time they'll sort of say, oh, and we've included the phono amp. It's almost like an afterthought. That is a signal... You don't want to go there. Now, another problem is, again, what I just talked about in terms of noise. A receiver is stuffed full. It's the Christmas morning stocking is a receiver. It's packed full of goodies. If you ever unscrew the receiver, I'm sure, like, you know, one of those joke snakes that jump out of a can, I'm sure half of the contents would just leap out of a receiver chassis. It's so full. So, um, no, don't do it. If surround sound is your priority, you know, and vinyl is a secondary thing, and there's plenty of people, you know, who like a little bit of vinyl, but mainly surround sound, TV is their thing, fine. Use the phono amp in the back of the receiver. Great. If vinyl is your main priority and sound quality is your main priority, get a separate phono amp. Now, again, there are 10 tables on the market which where, where a phono amp is included, and that's fine, again, uh, uh, in terms of budget you know many folks can't just, just don't have the, the, the cash so it's, it's a great way of saving money however if you have a few more dollars in your pockets then go for an external phono amp there are two I, I would look at and I would actually look at Riga over here it's about 90 pounds again it's more expensive in the US it's about 170 and that's on Amazon I think but uh, Project have one for about uh, uh, $80 and they're simple little things but again you separate By having an external phono amp, you're reducing noise. So what happens is the turntable plugs into the phono amp. The phono amp plugs into your amplifier. I would have an amplifier, just a dedicated stereo, integrated for now amplifier, just dedicated to your hi-fi, and that's it. I wouldn't go receiver. I would pick up even a second-hand amplifier off eBay, one that works and is in good condition, obviously, is better than going to a receiver. Have something dedicated.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, another thing that I noticed many years ago when I got back into vinyl, just to hear what it would sound like, plugged the turntable into the surround sound receiver, Terrible sound. The surround sound is fabulous watching action-adventure movies and their car crashes and big explosions. It's fabulous. For music, I, I don't think so. I'm also not fond of a subwoofer when listening to vinyl.
1: Yes, I, I dislike them intensely. Uh, I've never heard a subwoofer that really keeps up with the music. It's a timing thing. You can hear it sounds detached or it sounds overly emphasized. It just doesn't figure you know?
0: And again, for what it was designed for, you know, in a surround sound when you're watching a movie, that's fine. That's perfect. Absolutely. But yeah. music should be coming from the speakers and, and the woofers should be there. The improved sound quality of a dedicated stereo amplifier and dedicated stereo speakers, the bottom line is it sounds so much better.
1: Yeah, again, it depends on your circumstances. It depends on your family situation. It depends on your budget. It depends on your priorities, uh, like I say, there's no right or wrong way. If, if the TV is your thing, you, you, you maybe have a vinyl collection of, you know, half a dozen and you like an occasional vinyl play. A phono amp in a receiver is fine.
0: So let's say you've been enjoying your turntable for a couple of years and your hi-fi is sounding great, but you'd like to take it to the next level. What options are out there? And are you now entering the world of the audiophile?
1: I'm going to pick you up on one point before I answer that question. And that's, that's the definition of the word audiophile. I only do this because I've seen this all over the internet. Audiophile is, is almost used as a hammer, a, a, a big club, to hit people over the head with. Some people see the word audiophile, they see it almost as if it's a niche club and you're not allowed to join. Or you can only join if you spend big money, lots of zeros. Audiophile equals expensive. That's wrong. Audiophile is someone who cares about producing the best music they can pertaining to the budget they have. You will be called an audiophile if you care about the sonic quality of the music you can produce. That is an audiophile. For those people who don't care, again, that's fine. To not be an audiophile, to not care about the sonic quality, it doesn't matter. What is important is enjoying the music. How you do that is up to you. But if... The sound quality that's coming from your vinyl is very important to you. You automatically are an audiophile. Even if you've got $50 in your pockets, you're still an audiophile. It's not about money.
0: That is a wonderful definition. People go, oh, audiophile, and roll their eyes. So uh, to get back to the question, I want to experience more. I want to see if there's more sound in this vinyl that I've been listening to that I can pull out. I've got a little extra money. How do I step it up? And, and where do I start? Do I look at the turntable? Do I look at the amplifier? Do I look at the cartridge? Where would you recommend starting? And what kind of jumps can we go when we, you know, pass the $1,000 mark on a turntable?
1: Uh, a rule of thumb on this level is the source, where the music comes from, is the most important part of your hi-fi. Why is that? Well, if your turntable does a substandard job, then you're playing catch-up from that moment onwards. If your turntable does a bad job, your amplifier is not going to magically create sound quality. If you've got a a $50 $50, uh, Crossley or whatever, and then you attach a £10,000 amplifier, the amplifier is not going to magically create superb music out of thin air. All the amplifier is going to do is show you in beautiful rainbow colours just how bad your Crossley is. That's all it's going to do. So your source is critical. The source is where the majority of your budget should be spent on the source. Now, the source includes three bits. That's the the turntable itself, the the plinth, the platter that moves around where you put your vinyl on. The second bit is your arm, your tone arm. And the third bit is your cartridge. Now, at this stage of the game, don't worry about changing tone arms. That's for a laser, that's for higher budget uh, users. Don't worry about it. What you can do is upgrade the cartridge, and there's a there's a rough guide here. Normally, when you buy a, a turntable, uh, when anyone builds a a, a a turntable, they 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 will build it to a budget. The CEO will say, "Look, guys, we're producing this turntable. You've got X amount of dollars here, uh, and that's it. You know, otherwise we won't make a profit." So what you've got with any turntable, except for the expensive stuff, is basically it's a design of limitations. So there will always be boundaries. There will always be corners cut. This is why upgrading a table is always a good idea. So, for example, the cartridge is always a great way to do this. It depends how much money you want to spend, Dave. Now, now you, how much are we talking about?
0: Um, let's talk, you know, you've got another 500 or or $1,000 to put into this.
1: Okay. So just before I go to that, you, there are little enhancements you can do. Again, I've got, I've got upgrade features on my site. Where people can read. Uh, You can upgrade uh, uh, the mat, the platter mat. You can upgrade the platter, the actual bit that goes around, uh, the feet. All of these things will will improve sound, strangely enough. That's one aspect. That's a a budget way of upgrading. For the guy who's got, uh, or the lady, who's got $500 to $1,000 to play with, again, look at the uh, uh, turntable first. Next one down is to look at the amp. And only after those two, look at the speakers. That's the direction. You want to be going away from the source. If anybody's confused about upgrades, I'm here. Um, I will answer questions either on my site. I have a Facebook group. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. Um, uh, I bore the pants off everybody in every social media. So if you need help, come and talk to me, and I will help. I've been doing that for, for years.
0: That's Paul Rigby a journalist based in the UK who reviews hi-fi and music for major publications and hosts the website theaudiophileman.com. There's a link to it on our recommendations page. He spoke with us from London. And that's our program. To hear the extended music version of this show, go to the Episode 8 page at vinylsnob.com. And don't forget, we feature pictures of all our interview segments on those same episode pages. Along with helpful links on the Recommendations page, free domestic shipping on all Vinyl Snob gear at the store, and Vinyl Snob Radio. One-hour DJ shows featuring many of the artists interviewed here on the Pantheon Network curated and hosted by yours truly and, of course, all from vinyl. If you have any questions about vinyl records or stereo equipment, we'd be happy to look into it. Drop me an email, dave at vinylsnob.com. If we use it in the show, we'll send you a Vinyl Snob t-shirt and tote bag. And you can watch heads turn the next time you walk into the record store. Vinyl Snob is produced at the studios of Post Audio in Sacramento, California, executive producers Dana Barry, and our theme music composed by Cameron Robbins. I'm Dave Whitaker. Thanks for listening. Vinyl Snob is produced by
2: DIY and How and is part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Vinyl Snob is written by Dave Whitaker. All commentary and opinions... Are that of the host. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. Playlists can be found at Spotify. Purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit RockAndRollArchaeology.com for more information.